In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal, Ryan, and this is an episode somewhere between Christmas and New Year's, even though I think it's the 27th that I'm recording this. Uh, Listen, this is going to be a Southern Charm recap. It won't be as line-by-line as I usually do, but I haven't talked about Southern Charm. I've talked about it on other shows, and I actually got to talk a little bit about it with Troy McKeady in last week's Pop Culture Roundup. And I really, truly do love this season. And I think it has a lot of things worthy of talking about. And uh, truly, the epitome of man is seen in Southern Charm. Uh, From, uh, you know, there's a Southern aspect. (laughs) The Southern gentleman. I'm a Southern gentleman. Thank God Thomas Ravenel is not on that show anymore. Um, But before that, I want to talk about Taylor Swift. Oh, don't moan. Don't boo hiss if that's not your thing. But we've got to accept. And I'm a Swifty. I I love her dearly. I think she's truly amazing. And I think she is somebody where if you compare them, and we're not supposed to compare, but if you compare them to uh, the other people, uh, you know, that are making that kind of insane money and that kind of an influence, you would have to, of course, bring the Kardashians into it, which is fascinating because Taylor has such an interesting relationship with the Kardashians uh, and, uh, you know, pretty much because of Mr. Kanye West. But I think she has shown us these last couple of years how you really do it as a pop star in 2023 and that her reach and her pull is so massive right now. And she still hasn't really been, you know, made huge slips. She hasn't made huge slips. I mean, there's been some bumps in the road. You point to her relationship with Maddie Healy from the 1975, but she has rebounded, even though she's rebounded with somebody that their team could probably do a little bit better in rebounding. Is that a football term or is that just a basketball term? Anywho. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Taylor Swift. Now, there was this great uh, Time Magazine. Time Magazine, uh, they made her the uh, the person of the year. The person of the year. This has been given to uh, astrophysicists, Nobel laureates, Pulitzer Prize winning. Uh, I mean, this has been given to so many people, and it's given to Taylor Swift this year. But when you read the article, you kind of understand why. And as I always say, I think one of America's now final greatest exports in some ways is entertainment. It's still what we do considerably better than anybody else. Uh, I think sometimes that is slipping here and there, but I think our reach and our pull in terms of what we export in terms of entertainment is still really damn solid. And you could point to the two people that I love the most, uh, Beyonce and Taylor Swift. I mean, just their reach, what they've done with it, you know, how they incorporate art into commerce, art into pop culture. It's somebody doing it at another level. And I think Taylor Swift is just truly somebody that needs to be studied. Now, uh, I thought this 
this quote in the uh, the magazine article that Sam Jacobs, the editor in chief of Time, wrote said, uh, "When her popularity has grown across the decades, this is the year that Swift, thirty three, oh gosh, she's only thirty three, achieved a kind of nuclear fusion, shooting art and commerce together to release an energy of historic force. She did it by embracing what she does better than anyone: entertaining and writing songs that connect with people." Now she becomes the first person of the year to be recognized for her success in the arts in a year when we were reawakened to questions about who makes and who owns our cultural expressions. Swift is also a symbol of generational change. She is only the fourth solo person of the year born in the past half century. In the 17 years since her debut, Swift has notched more number one albums than any other woman in history. This year alone, she had three, of course, because of the Taylor's versions, the re-releases. Um, now, this article is is really good, and also the the profile by Sam Lansky. Sam Lansky, an amazing writer, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe Sam Lansky is the ghostwriter of uh, The Woman and Me, the Britney Spears autobiography. I believe Sam Lansky is the ghostwriter, but I don't think you'll find a lot of things actually saying that, but he is uh, incredible. And this profile of her is incredible in how he captures what she's saying, but also what he adds to that conversation about how it makes us feel and how it even makes him feel. I thought this was really highly satisfying. But uh, there is a piece of this that uh, other people put together that I wanted to talk about is just Taylor Swift by the numbers. Just listen to some of these stats, you guys of how much money she has brought in and what she has done with her platform. So uh, this is called The Numbers, Taylor's Versions. Now, the Taylor Swift era's movie, uh, it made $93 million its opening weekend, becoming the highest grossing domestic concert film of all time, surpassing Justin Bieber's 2011 Never Say Never. I mean, we all remember where we were when Never Say Never came out. It's the highest single-day ticket sales revenue for a film in the U.S. in the 103-year history of AMC theaters. Uh, $37 million is the number of ticket sales revenue in the first day of era's pre-sales at AMC, Regal, and Cinemark theaters. Uh, the global pre-sales surpassed $100 million. Um, now, the domestic box office gross for this film, just in the United States, this uh, is, as of December 5th, is $179 million, and the global box office gross, as of December 5th, is $250 million. And they're saying that Taylor and her team will uh, probably take home $100 million of this money. Um, because they will probably, they made a deal with AMC theaters to take home 50% of the gross. Now, Taylor, just in another brilliant business move, and I've talked about this, Beyonce did the same way, is that instead of partnering, say, with Warner Brothers or Paramount or one of the movie studios, that they would handle all the advertising uh, costs, but they would also take a great, uh, a, a far greater percentage from that back end. And Taylor just, you know, met with them, but also said, wait, we can do it ourselves. And she made her own deal. She made her own deal with AMC movie theaters. And I just thought that was iconic, historic for so many reasons, just because I think a lot of the movie studios right now don't know what the fuck they're doing in terms of release. And with streaming, things are going to Netflix, things are going to Paramount Plus, things are going to Peacock, things are going to all of these streaming services before th th they even get a chance to be in movie theaters. So, I think it was smart. And if this is the way movie theaters survive, then this is the way movie theaters survive. I don't care. I just want movie theaters to survive. So I love that she released this, uh, this movie, uh, this concert film. So one billion, one, wait, no, God, 
Well, okay, Taylor Swift's net worth, based on a Bloomberg analysis of publicly disclosed figures, including the estimated value of Swift's real estate and music catalog, as well as earnings from streaming, music sales, concert tickets, and merchandise, it's one billion one hundred million dollars. One billion one hundred million dollars. Damn. Um, wow. Okay, two point three is the number. Is the magnitude of the Swift quake that a July era show created in Seattle? Remember this story in July. There was a 2.3 on the Richter scale of from her fans at a Seattle stadium. Now, the era's tour itself is set to run across five continents. Each performance is a journey through her 17-year career with a 40-plus song set list that's pulled from her studio albums, plus a handful of surprise songs every night. Um, The Etsy sales of friendship bracelets, friendship bracelets became a big thing at Taylor Swift concerts. Uh, $3 million in just Etsy sales of friendship bracelets on Etsy. Um, Swift's estimated earnings from concert ticket and merchandise sales, $370 million. That's her earnings alone, not how much it all generated. Um, the number of Swifties on the wait list for her Buenos Aires stop after she sold out three shows, uh, 2.8 million people were still on the wait list trying to get tickets to these shows. Um, okay. Swift's expected era's tour earnings totally more than the yearly economic output of 42 different countries, $4.1 billion. It made more than the yearly ep- economic output of 42 different countries. Now, the boost to the U.S. economy generated by fans spending an estimated $93 million per era show, $5.7 billion. A bump in hotel room revenue produced by era's tour cities, $208 million. Amount in bonuses gifted to eras, sound technicians, caterers, dancers, and other staff, $55 million. Taylor Swift gave bonuses of $55 million this past year. Number of new jobs in California that could be funded by the revenue generated by the tour's six-day stop in Los Angeles, 3,300 people. Increase in numbers of Blue Eras crew neck sweatshirts available only at tour stops sold on eBay from March to July, 1,600% increase. Uh, the average amount spent by each attendee at an era's concert is $1,279. So that's a $400 ticket, $384 on travel and lodging, $234 on outfits, $159 on merch, and $106 on food and drink. I would imagine the food and drink probably is a little low because her fans are still of a, uh, you know, so a lot of her fans cannot drink yet. But wait, wait, but just wait. If she's still doing it, that's going to increase. Just watch. Average additional cost of Era's resale tickets versus the resale pricing for other performers on tour at the same time, $1,000. Increase in demand for hourly workers within a half mile of the Boston area Era's shows. And that's a 1,000% increase in demand for hourly workers. Um, Let's see here. Now, there's been a 1,226% increase in signups on Vote.org in the hour after Swift posted an Instagram encouraging people to register. There was a 1,226% increase. Uh, 7.8 million is the number of average numbers of likes Swift's receives per Instagram post, making her the most loved celebrity by that metric on the platform. Swift was the top streaming artist on both Apple Music and Spotify in 2023. She saw 65 songs reach Apple Music's global daily top 100 in the first 10 months of the year. On Spotify, she had more than 26.1 billion total streams. Um... Wow. I mean, her Grammy Albums of the Year nomination for Midnight's is her sixth, tying her with Barbra Streisand for the most nominations in that category for any female artist. Uh, Speak Now, Taylor's version, which was released in 2023, was the most streamed country album in a single day in Spotify history. 
232 is the number, the career total of Billboard Hot 100 songs. 232? Um, she is the only female artist to land three number one albums on the Billboard 200 in a calendar year. Twice she did this. Only female artist to ever replace herself at number one on the Hot 100. She did that twice. 31 is the most top five hits on the Hot 100 of any female artist, second only to Drake among all artists. Uh, most top 10 hits on the Hot 100 of any female artist. She did that 49 times. Uh, holds one of the records for the longest song to hit number one on the Hot 100, and that was 10 minutes and 13 seconds for All Too Well. Uh, 66 weeks is the most cumulative week spent at number one on the Billboard 200 among all female artists. Third overall, only behind the Beatles and Elvis Presley. And by the way, she's going to be able to catch up to them. And with Midnight's the album, she became the first artist to occupy all top 10 spots on the Hot 100 in a single week. She's also the first female artist to reach 100 million monthly Spotify listeners. I mean, just wall to wall, what she has done for the economy is wild. I mean, that's why it kind of becomes elevated even past the art conversation and you really throw it into a business kind of standpoint. But even with that business, she's able to keep this kind of small town person where you think you would actually be able to have a conversation with her, that you think she would actually still be able to relate to you. Now, I will say that is the one difference I have in thinking about her in terms of, or you know, and I don't want to compare them, but if we're talking about the two biggest females of all time in terms of artistry this year, Beyonce. Because Beyonce, I watched the Renaissance, Renaissance movie and I loved it, but I don't know if at this point I could have a conversation with Beyonce because I feel like in terms of artistry, we're now, I mean, there's a different thing. It's, it's different forms of art to me. It's popular music, but how Beyonce is approaching it, and it's Beyonce is almost approaching it of you can catch up to my music as opposed to the music landing then and there with Taylor Swift, if that makes sense. But with Taylor, I think that's part of her magic is you still believe that you would be able to have a conversation with her and that you, you know, she's still somewhat normal, which there's just no way in hell that she could be. I mean, you know, listen, when she's at these Chiefs games, there's more eyes on her than there is on the game sometimes. I mean, the the players, the Chiefs might be looking up their way too much, uh, you know, since they're now losing a little bit. I love now that I'm acting like I know sports. <laughs> her, and, her and Travis, by the way, she's rumored to make her first podcast appearance on Travis Kelsey and his brother's podcast, uh, which I believe is called, what, Great Heights or something? So she is supposedly going to make one of her first podcast appearances ever. Uh, so that will be very interesting. But I just wanted to do, I wanted to talk about Taylor Swift just in terms of numbers at the start. And there's a Southern element to this as we get into Southern charm. So Southerner, and now we're going to talk about Southern charm. Okay, Southern charm. Oh my goodness. I truly, like I said, love this season in particular. And, uh, you know, it kind of weaves this little charm about it and just how big of an idiot us men are. Um, and it is interesting because in these later episodes, we're really seeing Olivia and Taylor go at it. And Taylor especially can't seem to really handle um, what her actions have caused her. And she's wanting, and I understand this, to try to fix everything now, but life just doesn't work that way. So this uh, this episode is called Plain House. It is season nine, episode 14. Olivia and Taylor's relationship comes to an explosive head. Madison plays host for Paige and Craig. Now, who would have ever thought in the year of 2023, the reliable narrators on Southern Charm are Madison, Madison, 
Madison, Madison, who Austin has hooked up with in the past. Uh, of course, the the thing I did, one of my favorite videos is Madison catching Austin with two women in bed and him uh, poking at his shorts at his little manhood going, Madison, what are you doing here, Madison, Madison? Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I gotta tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Madison, so, but Madison, you know, they're okay now. Madison is married, uh, awesome son. We saw that beautiful scene this season where her son got bullied, which by the way, when I talked to Madison at BravoCon, what we didn't get to see is that Madison went over to that boy's house that, uh, that, that pushed her son and gave that ring camera an earful and an eyeful, which I wish they had got that footage from the show. Oh my God. Can you imagine Madison coming at you? I mean, that has got to be intense, but, uh, Madison and Craig are the reliable narrators in this. They're the ones that they have seemed to have grown the most over the course of these seasons. And I think that's great. I mean, Craig, I, I've said this nonstop now, and I'm trying not to have crushes on male Bravo celebrities anymore, but he truly seems like he is just at a really good place. He's got uh, the su success of his pillow company. He wrote a book and he is in love with Paige DeSorbo from Summer House. Now, I think if Paige was eight, maybe five to eight years older, this thing would already be marriage. Like they would already be married. They would already be working on their first kid, but they're at a different age range a little bit. So I think that is potentially the holdup. But like I've said now, Sophie Ross, who's on the show a lot, said that she doesn't think they'll make it. I actually have always said, I think they will. I think they will make it. I think what we see on the show, obviously, is a little bit of show of like 
Paige not caring, but, you know, Paige does care, but they are in a difficult situation in the sense that, you know, Charleston and New York, obviously that is a difficult situation and they're both high in demand people. And that's got to be really hard to pull up roots in New York and just move everything down to Charleston. Now, if they lived in the same city, once again, game over, this would be done. They would be married by now. I truly believe that, but I think it is interesting. And that is the challenge in their relationship. But other than that, I think they are gaga for each other. They love taking photos together. They are one of the most attractive couples that I've seen in person. And uh, they seem like they really get a kick out of each other. The only thing that I can ding Craig on is his conspiracy theories. That's the only thing I can ding Craig on is him thinking that pandas aren't real and uh, a lot of other conspiracy theories that I'm glad that they did not put on television that I'm sure Craig believes. I always said, Craig, you know, Craig loves a good YouTube video. You know that, you know, Craig is deep diving on TikTok at night and going, wait a sec, what? Wait, space lasers? What are you talking about? Oh my God, Austin, you got to check this out, man. You got to check this out, Austin. They're implanting memories in our brains, Austin. We're in the matrix. Oh no, dude, no, dude, no. That's how it is. So anyways, we start the episode as we always do with these, where we get a collection of scenes and we have uh, Austin talking to Whitney. Whitney is actually on this vacation um, you know, they're on a vacation in Jamaica, I think. And this was all done because they wanted to, Craig wanted Paige to hang out with his friends and Paige couldn't go. And now it's just all of Craig and his, you know, Looney Tunes friends, which by the way, I wonder if Paige was like, fuck no. I was talking to somebody the other day, we were talking about Vanderpump rules and people trying to get into that friend group. And they're like, why would you try to get into that friend group? That is not a friend group to try to get into. We've seen, like, I mean, listen, all good people for the most part, but why would you've seen the, the trauma that that group has gone through and that it causes. And why would you ever want to attach? I mean, and like, just, I mean, this is not meant to be offensive. It just meant like, look at the numbers there is just no way that it's healthy to be in that friend group. And I think Paige might have just said, like, listen, I'm already doing Summer House. I got to listen to Kyle talk to, like, cookies every night alone in a kitchen. I don't know if I necessarily want to go do this. Like, I don't know if I want to actually put myself in the path of watching more Looney Tunes. So we start off in clips of of the past couple of episodes and Austin is talking to Whitney on a beautiful beach and he's just like, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know, like, uh, sometimes um, Olivia will be like, he d- she doesn't like me. And then, like, sometimes she calls me a piece of shit. And then the, the next day she'll want to hang out with me. And Whitney's like, yeah, brother. Whitney, I, Whitney, remember, is a producer on this show. And I truly wish... I truly wish we knew how Whitney's life really operates. And there is this element with Whitney where they're all trying to impress Whitney. They're all trying to befriend Whitney in some way. And Austin seems to really have his ear right now because Whitney kind of stands up for him. But I do think in terms of how Whitney produces the show, how involved he is in the show and I mean, listen, I mean, Taylor sent a risque photo, which I still need the entire story you know, to Whitney, like you're sending risque photos to Whitney, who is also your producer on the show. That is a weird conflict of interest. No offense to Whitney and no offense to Miss, Miss Patricia, who I love. Also a shout out to Michael, the Butler, Miss Patricia and Michael got to see each other finally. And I, a tear actually came to my eye. I think Miss Patricia is amazing. I think Whitney is just a richer version of the rest of these Southern charm men. He is just a richer version and they see the way in which Whitney lives his life. And for all of these men, 
Whitney is aspirational. Now, Craig, I think Craig is the only one that seems like he's got his own thing going for the most part, but it is, it is wild. So anyways, they, they partied out on a boat in Jamaica. Everybody was having a good time. JT's there, Rod's there. Everybody was actually getting along. And, uh, you know, on the trip, we see a scene where Craig is telling, uh, Craig is telling Madison that like, listen, you know, if, uh, you know, if she doesn't like move to Charleston, eventually it's going to end with, uh, it'll probably end with me and Paige, which is bullshit. It's like, it's just things you say to make yourself seem sane in conversations of like, huh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm tougher than this. Yeah. You know, it's no sweat off my back. No way, dude. They would both be miserable without each other. Also last week's episode, it, it ended crazy because it started, remember it started in Whitney's, uh, palatial presidential suite, uh, which still didn't look that palatial, but Whitney complained because he didn't like his accommodations uh, when they got to Jamaica. So he now has a presidential suite and all these drunk dudes, you got Shep, Austin and Craig and Madison all pile in and Austin kind of slips and, and, and almost says that he fucked Taylor, but he goes, no, 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 mate, you know, hooked, made out, made out. And so it was like, oh my God, did he just say he, and like Shep caught it, everybody caught it. And then there was like this back and forth between Shep and Austin, which is just like Ghosts of Christmas Past, Ghosts of Christmas Future. It's like you're looking, it's like two sides of the same coin, you guys. Like, like Austin, like wake up. Like you potentially could be Shep. Now, I like Shep in terms of just I, he's probably the most fun person to have a drink with, but he would probably be horrible to be in a relationship with. Like truly horrible. I mean, Shep thinks about Shep, period. There is no gray area on that. And he, you really see where he did fuck up Taylor. Taylor now is making moves that Shep would make, but we judge it a little differently because it's a woman making them and not a man. We forgive all of these Southern charm gentlemen time and time again, but we have this like height, like hot white heat microscope on everything Taylor is doing. And I got to even say some of it's really bad. Some of it's really shitty, but like, listen, when you are feeling the worst you've ever felt, you are going to make some sloppy moves. You just are. You just are. You've done it. You have done it yourself. You are going to make sloppy moves that you will not be able to take back and you are going to have to pay that price, right? And that's what's happening. But the thing is, Taylor also, I think, saw this behavior from her ex, saw this behavior from everybody on the show. And the other thing that's interesting about this, oh God, I actually do like talking about Southern Charm. JT is such an interesting character. JT, little tiny Napoleon. I really like this dude. Uh, he's getting all ripped up. We see him working out, but he is desperately in love with Taylor. He's in love with Taylor and he's just goo goo gaga. He can't see any, like he thinks she's the best. He thinks she's a princess that is just throwing fire grenades, just like wreck, like being a wrecking crew. And I think he's right in that sense because she is hurt. So she is trying to be a sloppy mess and wreck things. But this JT, he thinks it's still beautiful. He, he, it's like, oh my God, you've caused so much pain. Beautiful pain. The most beautiful pain I've ever seen. You're the best to do it. You're a princess. Like he just sees roses every time he looks at her. And I think we've all felt that way about somebody. Now, of course, this is not going like, and, and I think we've said this, is that if JT keeps trying, the mess that Taylor's in right now and the poor decisions Taylor is making, Taylor will eventually at least make out with JT if it hasn't happened already. 
but it's not going to be any long lasting relationship. Even Taylor says, and I talking head that like, I don't know, I, you know, I'll, I don't, I don't think I'll ever like JT that way, even though I probably should, you know, it's like, I guess we just like bad guys. And that's really kind of it, right? You like the bad boy. You like the, you know, like that's a lot of women are drawn to that. And I don't know exactly why, but she even says it, he's been told that, but he is still I'm still going for it. I'm still going for it. And I don't know. It's like, I don't feel like it's completely lascivious on his part because he truly does seem to have deep feelings for her. And he's that guy that is really out there trying to protect Taylor from Shep, from Austin going like, listen, you, you know, like these guys, Austin's not taking any heat. Taylor's taking all of it, but Taylor's doing a really good job of making it very hard to root for her. Um, And she's just not, the best communicator when it comes to these things. Whereas you see these guys sloppily drunk fighting and we just kind of laugh about it. They don't, I mean, they don't even make sense half the time. And you're like, ah, it's just so charming. It truly is Southern charming. It is Southern charming. So we ended last week's episode with, uh, with the dinner, with a dinner where I can't even believe they actually made it to because they were all so hammered and, the girls got there first, some awkward tension, and then the guys got there. But then we immediately start into the back and forth between Taylor and Olivia. And like, oh no. And we ended last week's episode or a week and a half ago's episode with Taylor going, listen, I know that I was pretty quiet last night, um, but uh, this conversation that has been happening for two and a half months now, for the sake of myself and my own well-being, I want to put this to rest. And that's where we left off. And I love the little Southern charm music. Swing this game. Don't you know? Don't you know? And that's where we pick up. And so my thought was, oh my God, Taylor is literally so tired and a little tipsy that she's going to be, okay, you want the truth? Me and Austin, we did do the hippity dippity. We did hook up. We did have full sexual encounters and relations. I thought that was going to happen. I thought that was what we were going to see. But did we see that? So we open this week's episode, Montego Bay, Jamaica. And she says, I don't know what else to give. There never was an extensive anything going on between us. That is that. Talking about her and Austin. I'm done. What happened is what happened. And Madison's like, what happened? And she's like, a kiss. And then Olivia's like, no, you had a drunken made out, make out. And, and Shep, like, Shep goes, Shep goes, don't get, Hey, don't get bogged down in the details. Don't get bogged down in the details. And Olivia's like, it's not getting bogged down in the details, dipshit. And Chef's like, Olivia, do we not want to kill it? And Taylor's like, please, dear God, let me just put this to rest. And Olivia's like, do not act like it's something that needs to be put to rest. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm reacting. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to have your kumbaya moment because it doesn't fit. I know it's in your journey, Chef. And Chef goes, no, we just yelled at each other. No, he goes, I, she's like, I get it. Friendship. And like, we love each other. Life is short. Fuck off. Olivia says, I'm allowed to react. And Shep now is on the defensive. He's like, I've never, no, I've never, never said like, cause Shep has just said to Taylor, keep apologizing. Just apologize. She wants to make up. She wants to make up. So that's the advice he has given Taylor. And Taylor now has apologized a couple of times and is still not getting the desired reaction that Taylor wants which is okay because we're all unique snowflakes, individuals that we all have our own feelings. And Shep does not necessarily know the right way to go about anything. So I don't know why we're taking his advice, especially how he's handled himself in his own relationships, right? 
Also, we see a shot of Craig at this moment and Craig has his buttons all the way down. And he's just like, he barely looks like he's awake. Kind of just like, and I just wonder how many of these dinners they've had together where it's like, oh shit, here we go. Here we go. He looks a little damp, a little dewy, a little Jamaica dewy, kind of like, oh God. But Chef's like, I don't want to take that away from you, Olivia. And Olivia's like, you lied to me, Taylor. So don't act like you're just so tired of talking about it. And then Taylor goes, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. And Chef's like, no, Taylor. No, no, no. That's not. No, no, no. Don't say that. You can't see that. And she goes, I'm sorry. I have nothing left to give. This is my fourth fucking apology. And she does not want to take it. And she starts clapping. And Vanita, Vanita finally has a line and goes, oh, she's giving it a clap. She's giving it a clap. And then Taylor finally goes, okay, you just want to say that he fucked me. Is that what you want to say? Is that what you want me to say? And they're all like shaking their head. Yes. Madison's like, yes, because that's what happened. Because that's not happened. And because that's what happened. And Austin's like, oh, so now you want me to lie. That is not what happened. So Austin now has spoken up. It's not what happened. It's not what happened. And now Taylor, everybody's screaming. Austin's like, Taylor and I did not have sex. I'm not going to claim if somebody fucked me, Taylor says, without them actually fucking me. And Austin's like, we didn't have sex. And he's pointing, hey, fuck you guys. I don't know what to say. Dude, end of fucking story. End of fucking story. And Madison's like, you guys got to stop attacking her in regards to Olivia. And Taylor's just like, this is insane. This is insane. And then Madison being the voice of reason going, hey, you, you were all talking about something that we all kind of think we know what happened, right? Also, we get a shot of Whitney, his collar fully open as well. Kind of just like, you know, he's just like, oh, they're so lower class. This is, they're just so lower class. This is so juvenile. And I am making money off this. But, uh, Madison is like, listen, Taylor, you've got to say it because Austin won't tell us. Austin won't say it. And Austin's like, Madison, Madison, I don't care what you say about me. And Madison's like, oh, shut up. And Austin's like, hush, 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 hush. And then JT's like, you just told her to hush. You just told her to hush. And Austin's like, JT, man. And Madison's like, you walk around like a sloppy fucking mess, Austin. You, you do. And Austin's like, you're a clown, Madison. Madison's like, I am. I am. Vanita's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then Craig steps in as another voice of reason and goes, hey, we're all, you know, I think they're freaked out that you talked to your family about dating. And Taylor's like, yeah, I did. I talked to my family about a lot of things. We do that. We're family. That's what we do. And Craig's like, that's part of their concern. That's the part of the current. And Olivia's like, yeah, the fact that you talked to your sister, Austin, about this is just wild. And Taylor's like, I had a moment who I should go to. I go to my confidant, my brother. I love and adore him as I know that you love and adore your brother. <gasps> oh, and Vanita goes, oh, don't do that. Because we know Olivia's brother died. And now we've brought the brother, the passed away brother in to the conversation. JT in a talking head goes, I don't think she realized what she was saying. I think she was just emotionally charged because JT, this girl shits roses to JT. In a talking head, Olivia says, I would genuinely feel like Taylor didn't really mean how it came out, but like now she's pretty much crossed a line. I don't see her being able to come back from saying that. I mean, that is, there are certain things too hard. Taylor goes, Olivia, this is the first time that I've crossed, that I've broken your trust. And, you know, this is the first, and Vinny's like, don't act like it's small. And Taylor's like, I've never had a friend treat me like this. And Olivia's like, I never had a friend lie to me as much as you have. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's like, it was only one time. And they're like, what scoreboard do you have fucking have? And then Taylor's like, I've never had a friend treat me this way. You're calling me a liar. You'll never believe me. And Olivia's like, true. Those are all true. And you're using the word hate is so strong, Olivia, Taylor said. Taylor says. And Olivia goes, correct. That's why I said it. That's why I said it. Oh my God, that's good. Olivia really stepping into her power. And Craig's like, this isn't unfixable. And then Taylor's like, I'm out. I'm out. I can't win. I can't fix this. And she just walks out. Shep's head, uh, hands, Shep's head is in his hands. And we have that intense Southern charm music. And Austin's like, hey, why don't you, Austin's like, I'm going to leave. And, and Olivia's like, yeah, why don't you go have sex in the elevator and solve it? And Austin is just uh, head back, eyes closed, like, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Now then, Olivia bolts off. Vanita runs to try to catch her. And Craig says, Olivia wants to hear Taylor say, I know I fucked up. And instead of saying it's not that big of a deal. And Madison's like, well, she hasn't actually said that yet. She's got to give credence to all of Olivia's feelings. And Olivia and Vanita are talking. It's like all the same conversations, Zoe. They keep going, going, going. Now, Rod is another voice of reason. Now, poor Rod is on the show because he was dating Olivia for just like a hot minute. And now he's kind of friends with JT. Like they have a little buddy, buddy thing going on, but this poor Rod. And also I like Roddy Ray, uh, the other, the, their other friend who's not in it nearly enough. He has great reactions in the scenes, but Rod is just kind of there, El Solo Lobo. And he's got to be thinking what a shit show. And he's kind of trying to break it down too. Like, listen, this isn't everybody else. You know, you got to understand, and they're trying to credit Taylor of finally standing up, but unless some new information comes up, Rod says, we got to squash it. We got to squash it unless new information comes up. It is between them, but they are still giving Taylor some bonus points for actually standing up. And then JT looks at Austin and goes, you let these two speak and you say nothing. Austin cannot say I'm sorry, he says in a talking head. There's always an excuse. It's just, he's never in the wrong. I think it's sociopathic to ever think a human being, you're going to mess up. You're going to, and he never admits to messing up. And Austin uh, in the scene goes, you could literally go to the ocean and drown yourself, JT. And JT goes, you still haven't grabbed your manhood and stand up like a man. And he goes, you're non-apologetic. You just watched two girls go cry over you. And Austin's like, they have things to work out, man. And he goes, oh, sit down with your perfect hair, Austin. Sit down. In a talking head, Chef goes, JT smells bullshit and he's not afraid to, to call it out. And I certainly don't mind. I'm not going to stand in the way because uh, Shep loves this because Shep is pissed that Austin potentially hooked up with Taylor. So, uh, you know, he Shep even says that, listen, JT is Elliot Ness and Austin is Al, Al Capone and he is going down. And. Madison is laughing at every crack that JT gives. And Madison says, hey, JT's an actual gentleman. He stands up. 
And then Austin keeps throwing insults at Madison and JT's like, oh, you're just going to keep throwing insults at her. Okay. Okay. And then Austin walks up and is like, hey, I am not sharing the same oxygen with JT, which is a very eighth grade kind of combat. Like I'm not going to, I don't even want to breathe the same air. So that is the first, the, the, the amazing first scene. Like this was a really great first scene for any episode that Bravo has out there. Very solid. And the second scene, it continues and it gets even a little bit better. So Austin runs off because he doesn't want to sh- share the same air with JT. And then JT is just kicked back. He's like, he's like a little straw house and I'm like a brick house. You know, it's like writing a book on how to be a terrible liar. You know, they, and Craig's like, well, these people can't keep their stories straight. Now, Whitney stands up and goes, JT, you don't really understand the dynamics. So just to comment on a man's character without really knowing the deal sounds a bit disin- disingenuous. Which is Whitney, Whitney, like, come on, to comment on a man's character. This is where you really see the Southern mentality come out like, I'm going to challenge you to a duel. I, I, I can't believe you are doing this. That You cannot comment on another man's character. But you, you can if he really likes Taylor and he sees the situation, he can comment on it. And it's very rich of Whitney to stand up for Austin in this moment. Like we can all admit that Austin did something weird, right? He did something weird. Now the true mystery is, did they sleep together? Which we still don't have the answer. I'm willing to bet that they did, but who knows? Who knows? And if there's no new information coming out, they're going to have to squatch it at some point. We see Austin go into his hotel room. He's like, JT's a little fucking loser. Kiss my ass. Back in this scene, Whitney's like, I feel bad that you drove him away. You know? And and Shep's like, please drive him further away. And JT's like, Whitney, Whitney, you're trying to gaslight a bro, dude. He's, he looked at his best friend's girlfriend. I mean, what are you talking about? You're talking about Shep. Now we go to room 5335 and Taylor is FaceTiming her brother Worth, who has now unfortunately passed away. So this is kind of heartbreaking in a sense because we get to see the relationship they have. She's crying on a straw chair on the balcony and he's like, you don't look okay. And she's like, I've never experienced something like this. And then we see Olivia talking to Vanita and Olivia is hyperventilating, crying. And she's saying, I can't believe she brought up my brother. I can't believe what a fucked up thing to do. I can't, she's like crossed so many boundaries tonight. Just too many boundaries. Like keep my brother's name out of your disgusting mouth. And you really, she's like, are you fucking kidding me? And it's really kind of heartbreaking because it really, you can see has triggered her. And what is so weird is that right next door, they are right next door, their hotel rooms. And she's talking to her brother who is going to pass away. So that is just heartbreaking as well. So she's relating the story to Worth and saying, hey, I, I gave my fourth apology. And she still said, shove it up your ass, Taylor. And she's crying. She's saying, she said, fuck you. I'm like, I don't know what else to do. And now we go back to Olivia. She's like, I understand we're going through some shit. I understand it's awkward and complicated, but like, are you fucking kidding me? Still hyperventilating. She's like trying to calm down. She's doing like hand motions. Try, I mean, I, we've all been there when you're just trying to calm down. Your body is feeling too many emotions. And Benita hugs her and goes, this is not your best friend. This is not your best friend. Now back down at the dinner, everybody's like, okay, we're done. We're done. And Craig and Madison are the only ones to stay at the table. JT actually just goes walking into the sand. He's like, it's like a goddamn twilight zone. God, they're all fucking crazy, JT says. And now Craig and Madison 
Craig is a little tipsy. You can tell he's like, there's a lot for me to say. There really is. Now back to Taylor. He's like, I've never had someone come at me like that, Worth. Like she looked at me tonight and said, I do hate you. And Worth is like, so what if she does hate you? Why don't you worry about your life and tell her to just move on? And then Olivia, back to her, now it's around Robin. Fuck her, fuck her. She's crossed like so many lines. So Olivia's saying the same things over and over again. Back to Taylor. Worth says, Austin should be in trouble too. I don't get it. She loves him, Olivia says, and then hates him, and then loves him, and then hates him. And now Taylor says, I'm the devil, and she can go cuddle with Austin with her bra off, and he's totally in the clear, she says. Now, Olivia now is on the balcony and is hearing this and going, I literally can hear what she's saying. I can literally hear this. And Taylor tells her brother, they never even dated. They were never even, like, they weren't officially dating. Neither one of them ever complained to be each other's boyfriend or girlfriend. And Olivia is hearing this going, I literally have just heard the entire conversation. And she just pounces back into the room and she starts walking over to the door. They must make the Southern Charm cast leave their doors open or unlocked for crew. And like walks over there, literally goes outside to the balcony. Vanita, by the way, tries to catch her, but is like the slowest trying to catch her ever. Like (laughs) Vanita is like, no, don't go. And then she just like slow motions. Like, I'm not going to really try to catch you because I want to see what happens. Like, like, no, don't go. And Olivia storms out to the balcony and goes, talk quieter next time. I'm literally right next fucking door. I can hear everything you see, dumb fucking bitch, as she walks out and says, she's stupid. She's fucking stupid. So fucking stupid. Now, Olivia goes back to her room. And now we're back on Taylor on FaceTime with Worth. And Worth goes, you're not the bad guy. And as your older brother, if anybody makes you unhappy, you let me know and I'll come down there. And Taylor's like, I mean, they're not being like super nice, which I don't care. I don't need anybody. Well, Taylor Anworth says, what would Jesus do? And I will say this, and I I almost, (laughs) I I alarmed myself because said, Taylor Ann, what would Jesus do? And I almost, and this is, I almost thought, I, I almost thought Worth was making a joke. Like I thought, oh, LOL, like, oh, what would Jesus, like, I thought it was like trying to make a light moment, but I forgot that they, they are, they are a super religious family. So that was a very serious comment of Taylor Ann, what would Jesus do? Now I would imagine Jesus wouldn't hook up with like, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, w- I would imagine Jesus wouldn't do any of the things that Taylor Ann was doing in the first place, but Taylor Ann replies, well, Jesus would keep quiet. And Worth goes, and what have you been doing? And Taylor goes, trying to keep quiet. And she's still crying. And Worth goes, because that's the right way. That's the right way. Good for you. And I'm sorry you're going through that, Taylor. And Taylor goes, it's fine. And he goes, all right, love you. And they hang up. And I I think this is potentially the last time we will see Worth on Southern Charm. And that's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking moment when you know what is to come. And you do see that he is somebody that she leans on. I think, I think the hard thing though, and the thing that Taylor can't understand, and I don't think any of us usually can understand in those situations is that this is not going to be able to be fixed on a reality show scene. Probably, you know, this is going to take time. It's going to take time if this friendship is worth mending. And I think potentially this is just not a friendship worth mending in the end. Um, you know, a friendship that is born on a reality show doesn't usually have the best odds, right? It doesn't have the best odds. If you meet somebody on a reality show, the odds are that might not be your lifelong friend. Now, some people have bucked the odds. Some people, you know, you got Robin and Giselle, uh, I'm trying to think you got Bethany and herself. That's a love, uh, relationship that'll last forever. 
But now we cut back to Craig and Madison, and they're trying to to make sense of it all. And Madison's going, hey, the fact that Taylor still stood up for herself for once, I'm like, dumb, like, damn. And Craig's like, yeah, but Austin still stayed quiet. The story that the other one is telling, they don't seem to have the same story. It keeps changing up. They just don't match. Now, Madison keeps having <laughs> hiccups <laughs> and asks Craig to scare me. He goes, scare me, scare me. I have the hiccups. And Craig goes, just say, I'm not a fish. Hiccups come from, because we evolved from fish and, you know, and they forgot, you know, and, and when we come out of the water, we forget that we're a fish. So this is, feels almost lightly conspiratorial. He's like, say, I'm not a fish. And Madison keeps saying, I'm not a fish. I'm not a fish. It's a very funny scene, uh, but it doesn't help Madison's hiccups at all. But I love this. Craig goes, say, I'm not a fish because we evolved from fish. And sometimes that's us not accepting our fishhood. Sometimes at the end of the day, we've got to realize we've evolved as man. We've evolved and we can breathe on our own. And don't be scared of those hiccups. In your mind, you've got to say, I'm not a fish. I'm not a fish. Which also, I wish that line was more popular because that would be a great t-shirt as well. I'm not a fish. Craig Conover. Okay, it's a new day in Jamaica, folks. And if uh, we learn anything from Bravo reality shows, these people usually are still able to hang out after something devastating like last night. Uh, Taylor is packing up. She is getting ready to leave. And she's like, I'm not going to hang out here with people I don't care. We see uh, Shep in some ridiculous outfit. He looks like he's going rainy. He's going hunting and um, beaching all at the same time. Um, so all of these people are on the bus to head back to Charleston. Finally, Rod looks like he's been through a war. Craig looks like he has a smirk on his face because Craig left this trip gold. Craig has had a golden season. We come back now. Everybody's unpacking. We see Olivia unpacking. Olivia asks her mom what day do the housekeepers come. It's brilliant. <laughs> we see a scene of Patricia and Whitney. Patricia is laid up in bed uh, playing with her dog. Whitney is dutifully being the dutifully uh, good son taking care of her. We go over to Chef's place. There is water damage on her base uh, in his basement. We see little Craig stomping around in it. And he's like, home ownership is a motherfucker, ain't it? Homeowner, we, we got that right. Home ownership is a motherfucker. And now we're over at Madison's house. And Madison comes in with uh, her husband, Brett. And this guy, he's a tall drink of water, am I right? Every, every lady loves this Brett. He is a good looking gentleman. And he said, hey, I'm glad you're back. I missed you. He's like, I missed you too. And he's like, that doesn't count as our last hurrah, your trip, because they're trying to get pregnant. Remember, they're trying to get pregnant. She's going to have a second child with Brett because he's such a tall drink of water. Changed her mind on motherhood, having another child. And they seem like they have a cute relationship. And but she does stare at him and he stares at her just like they want to just tear each other's clothes apart at all times. I mean, this is a sexy couple. Anyways, they set up the scene where they, they want to have Craig and Paige over. Uh, remember Paige, Paige's favorite character on Southern Charm besides Craig is Madison. So they're going to have a dinner scene in this episode. And then we go over to JT's apartment. Mommy, 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 mommy. And he sees all the clothes. He's like, oh, it looked like a bomb went off from Jamaica because he has an unpacked, very sloppy, smelling his clothes like a man. He's like, oh, this is definitely dirty. All right. Definitely dirty. He uh, uh, unloads some Durex condoms. He's like unused. Like, what did JT bring Durex condoms for? Like, did he think that potentially something was going to happen with Taylor Ann or he was going to meet some Jamaican queen that he was going to bust out Durex? Now, I'm great that he's not raw dogging. I'm great that he's like protection. Amazing. Anyways, he FaceTimes his bud, Rod, and uh, they're just talking about the trip, just catching up as bros. Uh, I'm curious if 
I'm curious if Rod will come back next season. I'm so curious if there's enough to have him come back. And I guess JT, I think, has secured his spot on Southern Charm. But I do, I'm curious. Anyways, he says, listen, Rod, I don't want to be around that guy. I don't want to be around Austin. I don't want to be around him. But then Rod is talking about the Taylor relationship. And it's like, hey, you guys seem to be like two peas in a pod, you and Taylor. And, you know, who knows? Who knows what could possibly happen? Because they talk, they flash back to the plane ride where Taylor and JT are laughing over internet videos on her phone. And JT's like, every time we're together, we're laughing, we're playing, we're hanging out on the balcony. And Rod's like, yeah, you guys were like vibing the whole time, right? He's like, yeah, it's a little torturous because I do, you know, I find her so attractive. And Rod's like, there's something there, whatever it is. I don't know, but there's something there. And that's the kind of shit that you shouldn't tell your friend because it keeps hope alive. And you want to crush all hope because this isn't going to work out. And you don't want to make yourself look like a bigger idiot than you potentially already do. Uh, Taylor is now at her place. We see her unpacking things. Uh, Every one of these cast members seem to have some form of a dog, which is great. I love dogs. Rest in peace, Brooklyn. Uh, Now, Taylor gets a phone call from her madre. And she's like, hey, honey, how are you? Are you still unpacking from your trip? And she's like, yeah, I got a lot of laundry to do, mom. Um, well, how was it? How was the trip? How was it? Uh, and she's like, I really wasn't expecting it to go the way that it did. I thought that this was going to be like a very put everything to rest kind of trip, but it was actually quite the opposite. She's like, really, really, Taylor Ann, really? And there's soft, dramatic music playing now. She's crying. She's like, I love you, honey. I'm sorry. I love you, honey. Moms are so good at that, aren't they? And Taylor's like, I think I'm just not used to being broken down, especially by somebody that like I care about. And she's like, I know, honey, that part's hurtful. It is. It is hurtful. Now we're over to Olivia's house. Olivia is now FaceTiming with her mom, Robin. And she's like, you know, the truest truths are the ones that you overhear. So I can hear her on the balcony her room's right next to mine and she's on FaceTime with someone. I can hear her. So like, she's like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Like Olivia and Austin didn't even date. Oh, I don't understand. It's just foul mom. Like, I mean, I will never look at her the same ever. I don't know where her head is, but I know you got a lot on you and you don't need more. You're right, mom. Whatever you have to do, Olivia, steer clear of it. I think you should put your emotional well-being first. I know, mom. I know. That's very true, right? And then back to Taylor, her mom's like, I just keep remembering at the core of this, you know, when what else has gone on in Olivia's life, Taylor? You know, she needs a whole lot of grace right now. She does. Now we've used the word grace, but I really just want you to move forward. Be humble and kind. Hang in there and be with your friends who love you. They aren't on this show. Be with your real friends. Like, it's going to be okay, sweetie. Thank God she didn't say, what would Jesus do? But I felt like that was coming. But also, I hope when her mom says, be with your friends who love you, be with the friends that are not on television with you. Those are probably your real friends, right? Those are the real ones. So now we go to a scene over at Austin's bachelor pad, his uh, fuck pad, and his sister comes over and they pour themselves some some champagne and some good crystal glasses. And she's like, how was the trip? And Austin's like, it was pretty good. It was really good. It was really good. And she's like, I, I think you have a weird uh, definition of what good means. And I actually think that too. And he's like, oh, well, JT's constantly attacking me. And like Shep, like he prides himself on giving people, you know, like the horns. And I'm like, you know, but you kind of just like angry. Yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know what I'm trying to say, Katie. I don't really like know the correct path. 
But like, it does sting more when someone that you do care about has something negative to say about you. And she's like, yeah, but still it's Shep. And I mean, Olivia still, Olivia just gets absolutely triggered by my presence. And Katie's like, well, I know that I pissed, you know, I pissed her off and she's valid in her feelings and being angry. And she's like, yeah, you know, but then she like calls me and talks to me and, you know, sending me things on the internet. And then, you know, it's Shep's fucking mountain house. Like, I don't, I don't like exist. Then she calls me on the way home. And then I think, you know, we're good. And then I see her in Jamaica and she's yelling at me, telling me that I'm like an awful person. And then we get back. And she's calling me like, hey, do you want to come over and go on like a walk on the beach? And I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm just like, why are you doing this? He's like, when did you when did she ask you to watch on the beach? And she's like, last weekend. He's like, huh, huh. In a talking head, he goes, you want to know what the perfect example of Olivia being fucking hot and cold is the Oscars. And I was like, oh, where's this heading? The Oscars were right after the trip to Jamaica, he says. Olivia and I were live texting the whole night. Like back and forth, back and forth. Then he's showing all the text, talking about everything, talking about it. And then we get back in front of our friends and she'll just like bite my head off. And they're like, wait a minute. I thought that we were good. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know. And then he says, my therapist kind of basically described it as being, you know, gaslit. Oh, fuck off, Austin. And Katie's even like, oh, I did not think you were going to say that. Is this always or is this like post everything what happened with her brother and he's like well i mean post everything with her brother and Katie's like okay well she definitely has a lot emotionally going on there he's like yeah okay well look i think like obviously emotions are flying high for lots of different reasons and for how things kind of went down and Katie's like at a certain point though and he keeps going but it is i i've I paid you know my penance and she goes i think that you both just need to take some time apart i don't think any progress is going to be made the more time you spend around each other because she's going to keep getting upset. And then you're going to keep being like, why are you yelling at me? But I care about Olivia Katie. And she is someone that I don't think that I could ever completely close the book on. And Katie's just like, Oh shit. Close that book, dude. Close that book. Now that's interesting. Like, listen, us as men, we are inherently stupid. You all know that stupid. We don't think the same. We don't act the same. We're stupid. And so, yes, I understand on its face. He's like, I'm confused. She's texting with me. She's, I mean, I've got all these texts. Like, yeah, I've been there. I, I, I understand what you're saying. But like, listen, she is going through one of the worst times in her life. And you've added to that. It's not because of you, but you've certainly added trauma to her already enormous trauma. And I'm sorry, after somebody dies, from my understanding and from what I, I've even dealt with personally, you're just not going to be the same for a while. Leading up to if you've been with somebody that's ill and then afterwards, you've just, your DNA has been changed, period. It just has been. And you want to feel normal. You want to be back to normal, but anything will set you off at a given moment. You'll wake up happy by afternoon. You'll be sad. Then you'll be happy again. And then you'll be sad. There is no rhyme or reason of grief. And the fact that Austin is like, well, my therapist said she did not gaslight you, bro. Fuck off. She's actually going through something. She's going through something. That's what's happening. So steer clear, let her figure this out. And you were told that earlier in the season, let her figure this out. Craig said, don't, you don't need to be her knight in shining armor. You don't need to. And just because you can't close the book on her, but you can't read, you're illiterate. So close the book, dude. You can't just close that book. I get it. I fully get it. I fully get it. Anyways. Then Madison is calling Miss Patricia. This scene, neither here nor there, but it's a way to keep Miss Patricia in the episode. 
So basically this scene is just Madison calling her on how to set a table for dinner with Paige and Craig of, you know, where you gotta put the right crystals, make it all look all Southern and nice. And then we cut to Craig's place and Paige is visiting and uh, he's like, are those olives on your socks? He's like, yeah, these are olives on my socks. She's wearing socks with olives on it. And she's like, I'll have a tuna sandwich, please. And Craig's like, yeah. I did learn from Craig's book. He is a pretty decent chef. He likes, he enjoys cooking. He likes getting his hands and making food. He says he likes cooking as much as he liked making pillows. So I think we will see a cookbook in Craig Conover's future. And then Paige asks him, hey, did you ever think in a million years you'd be going to Madison's for dinner? And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, listen, I can't believe she's married. Things happen fast. And we see Craig stirring the tuna. He's really getting into this tuna salad. And Paige is just staring at him. And Craig's like, of course, I wish me and Paige were on the same timeline, he says in a talking head. I mean, of course he wishes that, right? And uh, But after all of the dysfunction that I witnessed this past trip, <laughs> when we do a flashback of all of the dysfunction of this past season, and Craig says, I'm so appreciative just to have someone I get along with and that I love. And then we see Paige take a big bite of the tuna sandwich. Like, bruh, really good, bruh. He's like, all that matters is that I'm really happy and she's supportive of me. And technically, until we had children, it doesn't matter where we lived. And he tells Paige, he's like, I love that you've been spending more time down here. And, and she goes, yeah, I mean, I'm here every week. Do you not like our setup now? And he's like, no, I do. But Madison in Jamaica was like, can you like date long distance forever? And I was like, well, we can't have a family long distance. So eventually we'll have to like move in together. But I'm totally prepared to not talk about this again for like a year because I know you're not ready. And I've asked you about serious things before I have, you know, and you've communicated to me that you're not in a hurry. We've seen that on summer house, you guys. And he goes, it's not the end of the world. If we don't end up together, it's not the end of the world. He says that. And Paige goes like shocked, like, Oh, Zoics. He goes, no, what I mean is I've become a stable person with or without you. And I know that you got me there, but I really feel stable in myself to the point where like, I could let you go. I would be really sad. And he goes, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't freak out if that makes sense. And she's taking this in, but like, do you hope it works out with me? He says, and she goes, yes. And he goes, okay. Okay. And laughs. She goes, I wouldn't be here. I would be in New York. And he goes, so you're saying you like me? And she goes, yeah, I definitely like you. And he's like, good, good. So this is a very interesting scene about male and female relationships too, is this thing of Craig like, yeah, I wouldn't freak out. Like, I'm good. Don't worry. Like, I wouldn't freak out. It's almost kind of trying to elicit a response in a sense of like, don't, you know. And, but then at the same time, you got to imagine Paige of like, it better, if, if this fucking ends, I better fucking watch you be crushed. Like, yo, you better care. You better damn well care if this ends. I thought this was kind of funny. He's like, I'm the most stable I've ever been. And I'm like, yeah, wait till if ever something happens. Let's see how stable you are, buddy. Like, you can make all, you can feel the way you want it, like in that moment. But I'm telling you, when it comes, you will not feel stable at all. But I think Paige is like, oh, it's a nice trip. That's very cute that you said that. It's very cute. I don't believe it for a second, but it's very cute. And also, I think it was Craig's way of like trying to get to talk about it without talking about it. Like, I know you don't want to talk about it. I'm prepared to not talk about it for a year, but I just want you to know I'll be okay if we break up. Like, that's talking about it, right? That is essentially talking about it. I just thought that was great. Okay. So then this next. So we have good old Shep meeting good old Whitney. Just two Southern boys meeting out at a bar. Just meeting out at a bar. You know, when he's like, hey, buddy, I haven't seen you since Jamaica, buddy. Cut, bring it in. Bring it in. You know, they hug and do the cheek kiss. 
And then they're pouring each other, uh, having whiskey and they're tasting Willet eight year whiskey. And they're like, we have some seats back there so they can be gentlemen sipping their whiskey. There's Buffalo heads on the wall. It's very manly. And chef's like, how expensive is that bottle? And Whitney holds up one and he's like, 100. And he's like, nope, 1000. And he's like, yep. A grand chef says this is like a hundred dollar glass. He's actually more than that chef, more than that. Actually. It makes my, uh, makes my skin tingle, makes my nutter butters tingle. And Chef's like, it's really smooth. And when he goes, I'm stocking my new bar through this, through this bar, you know, I'm stocking my new bar. My cottage is almost done. Whitney says, uh, he says the cottage was Michael's former house. Whitney tells us it needed kind of a gut renovation. So we've been a little bit more touching it up. And we see a scene of Whitney with one of the people touching it up two months ago. He's like, the kegerator will go there. We'll have the banquet there. Now, Whitney even saying the kegerator will go there shows us that Whitney's probably not close to settling down anytime soon. Um, but he's like, we're going into kind of an understated pub hangout spot. And then in the scene, he goes, listen, I'm not going to leave this place. I'm not going to leave Charleston. I don't want to ever leave again. Whitney, I truly believe, will stay in Charleston for the rest of his life. Chef is talking about his recovery time. He's like, my recovery time is just weak. After Jamaica, I just didn't talk to anybody for a couple of days. And when he goes, I'm starting to feel normal now. It's just hard hearing everybody scream at each other. And he's like, yeah, I mean, Austin got targeted pretty hard. And Whitney's like, yeah, you and Austin really came at each other. He's like, no, he came at me, Whitney. And we flash back to that scene about the page six article about Olivia, about, sorry, Taylor and Austin. And, you know, I will say it is interesting to watch Austin grow up in the sense that he really does stand up to Shep now. And it's something Craig learned later in seasons as well. And so it's interesting the spot Shep is in right now because he is kind of the older man on the crew that everybody thought was the big bad and somebody that not to be feared, but somebody that you really held up on a pedestal and they all feel like they all kind of seem like they got Shep's number now. And I think that's interesting. And I wonder how much of he takes that in personally, how much he realizes, how much he even cares. Um, and Shep is like, listen, I didn't have a leg to stand on morally, but it just, when it comes to females, like he's not, he's not to be trusted. I'm sorry. And Whitney laughs. <laughs> And a talking day goes, I have some big questions about Austin's trustworthiness. I do. And that makes me sad. It makes me sad. It does. It does. And in the scene, Chef goes, we've just seen too much together. We've laughed too hard together to like sever all ties. I hope that he's learned his lesson. And when he goes, I think he has. I think he has. The funny thing is, I intend to talk to Taylor um, because after Jamaica, I was in my house. He's telling Whitney this one afternoon with a couple of girls and Taylor came over unannounced with Penny, her dog. And when he's like, for fuck's sake, really? He's like, yeah, because she's been leaving her dog, Penny, when she has something to do. So little Craig can, and when he's like, huh, and I've got a doggy door and, you know, it's just easier. And when he goes, bud, and he blows a raspberry, you don't think she gets the wrong impression? Like you might be leading her on? And he goes, I mean, I don't know. It's a good question, Whitney. He goes, I'm not accusing you, bro. And Shep's like, it's caused a little bit of friction, her being like, uh, who's over there? What are you doing? Kind of thing. And when he's like, oh, Jesus, you know how women can be. Oh, Jesus. He's like, I feel in, fully intend to be a low. Look, I love you in a very, I always will kind of way. And Whitney goes, <laughs> but like, we're not together, Taylor. And, and Whitney's like, yeah, it's done. We need to really establish parameters. And Whitney's like, right, 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 right. They're drinking a thousand dollar whiskey, thousand dollar whiskey. Just two bros talking about women, how crazy they are. Oh, man. 
Oh, women, right? <laughs> can't stand with them. Can't live with, I don't know. You know, that, that kind of bullshit. Also, I love that Shep still, once again, we're not talking about, hey man, why did she send you that erotic photo? Can I see your text messages? <laughs> like, why are we not talking about that? We're talking about Austin and Shep, but why don't we talk about Shep and Whitney and Taylor? Like, this is wild. And I always like that they go to Whitney for advice when Whitney does not have a successful relationship either. And Whitney has some questionable morals like any good Southern gentleman. Now we're over at uh, Craig's house, Craig and Paige. They're getting ready for this dinner uh, with Madison and Brett. They look very sharp. By the way, this is a very attractive dinner in terms of everybody at the, like imagine being the ugly person at this dinner. You know, if you're with like four incredibly attractive people and you're just like the, the, the thumb, like, Hey guys, what are we, are we having meat? What are we doing tonight? <laughs> uh, I'm gassy. Also in Craig's closet, he has a copy of his pillow talk book. <laughs> Paige is helping Craig dress. Paige believes that he has uh wide hips, I think childbearing hips. And Paige is like, no, you don't, you don't like your waist is up here. He's like, I have high hips, babe. No, your hips are right here. I love, I love when men think they understand something about their bodies and we usually have it wrong. Every time we just heard it or saw it and you're like, Oh, I bet I have high hips. I bet that's what it is. I mean, that's why I'm miserable. Anyways. They leave. Also, Craig has a beautiful wreath on his door. I think that's amazing. So uh, we're over at Madison's. Uh, the pasta is being cooked. The dishware is all put out. And uh, she's very happy to be hosting them, even though she is very stressed out about them. Then we have Paige and Craig driving over to Madison and Brett's. And Paige is noticing all the couples sitting on their porches He's like, she's like, oh my God, these are like real, these are real married people. These are, and he's like, yeah, it's a great place to raise a kid. You can like bike to school. And Paige is like, nice, nice. I like to, I like to bike. I like to, and you can tell Paige is looking at this, taking it in and kind of liking it, but also, oh shit. Like you would also see that thing of like, oh my God, is this my future? And not saying that she thinks it's a bad future, but it's that thing where like, oh, my life could be this. You know, like, oh my God, it could be this. Do I really want this? And not anything to do with Craig, but just you can tell every time she looks around, she's trying to get adjusted in some way. Um, and I will say, like I said, they are kind of cute as a couple. I hate to say it. I, I I don't know. I've turned a corner. Anyways, they go in to to meet Madison and Brad and Craig's like, I'm really excited to have this dinner with Brett and Madison. I just, I really actually am. And they're doing that thing where they're like, this looks gorgeous. Paige is complimenting everything on the table. And she's like, oh my God, just seeing this, this is the first moment that I've actually wanted to move down here. And Craig stares like, oh my God, what? But that's like just, they cut to commercial, but it's like, no, it was like silly. Anyways, anyways, they're pouring the drinks. we got some red wine being poured. And Paige is like, hey, Brett, how are you liking Charleston? And she's like, hey, I'd never been to South Carolina until I met her. And then I came here and yeah, I loved it. And Paige is like, yeah, it is nice. It is nice. And Brett's like, yeah, it's really nice. And uh, Craig is just taking all of this in, like hoping that anything will land on Paige to actually move and marry Craig tonight. And I will say for a grown-up dinner, they are kind of interesting. They're almost kind of play acting like grown-ups. You can just tell like, do we serve the wine this way? Do we eat the food this way? And they don't really fully know each other. So it is this. And what's nice about this scene that it's not, what's nice about the scene is that it's not just fighting about cheating and stuff like that. It's actually human people getting to know each other. And I think that is actually nice to have in these shows sometimes. And they're even kind of laughing about that. And Brett's like, yeah, it's weird when she'll tell me everybody's sleeping with this, sleeping with that, sleeping with this person. 
And Paige says, yeah, it's weird. Like when New York, when I've dated people, I'll never see them again in New York. And in Charleston, it's completely different. Craig's like, yeah, I see, you know, you see your exes. You do. Paige loves the pasta, you guys. So whew, that is a burden off of Madison. Paige is loving the food. Who a Southerner can make pasta. So Brett goes, how long are you in town for, Paige? And she's like, oh, like a full week and a half. But are you guys probably going a little back and forth, Brett says? And she's like, yeah, well, you know, the flight's so easy. It's an hour and 15 minutes. And Craig's like, not even. Like, sometimes it takes me longer to get to the airport. And Craig's like, I mean, it's funny because we were talking today and I was like, look, the only couple that we know, like the couple's dinner we're going to tonight is a long distance couple. Uh, you know, like all the the close distance couples like are imploding, right? So, and Brett's like, well, we're not long distance anymore. I mean, well, I'll leave at work and come back. So it's, you know, and Madison says, I don't know if you could put up with me 24-7. He's like, I think I could. I can, I can. Like this Brett loves Madison. And Madison goes, well, maybe it's the other way around. He's like, and then Paige goes, do you feel like you have real friends here, Brett? And he's like, it took a little bit, but yeah, like there's a couple of friends, you know, um, that it's good. It's good. Brett seems like a really well-adjusted grown-up. He seems like a grown-up that actually is confident in himself, but not in a creepy way. And I think that's really actually refreshing and probably why Brett will not make a good reality television star any time in his life. And that is a compliment. Craig lets them know that her, him and Paige, our plans are to not make plans. We're, we're just trying to get out of that river right now of, you know, and Brett's like, well, you kind of got to lead, you know, I don't know. They're talking in relationship speak. He said, we said one day we both want kids. We both want to get married. And Paige is like, I'm just not ready to move down here and like live in a cul-de-sac and have a baby. I'm just not. And they're talking to Ed Madison. goes, you know, I never had plans to live in a cul-de-sac either, but I meet Brett and I'm like, which cul-de-sac? I feel like Paige, like, I feel like I have to be so done with a certain point of my life. And Brett's like, do you feel that you have to get married though to have that? Because you could still at least go to the next step and not necessarily start that also that part of your life. And Paige goes like, get engaged. And he goes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to necessarily just because you're engaged, you know, you don't have to have a kid, you know? And she's like, no, I don't want a promise ring. And, you know, I mean, I don't, but can you get engaged and me not be actually actively moving down here? Like, is that weird? And Madison's like, no, we did it. We were engaged for almost a year. And yeah, yeah. And Craig's like watching this like a schoolboy, like, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. Paige, it's landing. Because Paige is like, wow, wow. Okay. And Craig's like, I got to go to the bathroom because he's, you know, so excited. And then Paige asked Brett, how did you know which ring to get Madison? And she's like, oh, she made a Pinterest. And there was two that she liked. Paige goes, but it's alike. Like, I don't know anything about diamonds. That's the thing. Like, I don't know any shape that I want. I try on all my girlfriend's rings. It just doesn't feel like it's me. And she's like, here, you want to try this one? You want to try my ring? Madison says. And she's like, yeah, I love trying them on. Yeah, I do. By the way, uh, I, don't, I don't know if diamond rings are on uh, Am those Amazon fresh find deals that Paige hosts. So she puts on the ring, 3.5 carat ring, and Paige is just staring at it. And she's like, wow, wow, okay. She hands it back to Madison. And then Madison goes, hurry before Craig gets a boner. And Craig walks in and Paige laughs. It's a really cute scene. Listen, I think we are headed for an engagement like any month now. Any month now. It is happening. It is fully, fully happening. This couple is getting engaged. They will be married. I just don't know how it's going to work. Neither do they. But that's fine. Next week on the season finale of Southern Charm. And we have Leva. I guess they're having some sort of like finale party. Some Valley of the Dolls party. Um, they're all dressed up in outfits and Chip's like, I'm Dieter from Dusseldorf. They're all in these kind of ridiculous Valley of the Doll costumes. 
JT's like, it's psychopathic to me knowing that we could die tomorrow and not give it a try to Taylor. He's like, like, I love you. And then Shep says to Taylor in another scene, do you want to get back together? And she goes, possibly. And then we see a scene with Austin and Olivia is like, there's a major disconnect. And she's like, I thought you were going to apologize to you. You want me to apologize to you? And then we have you guys, JT and Austin getting into a fight and Austin pushes little JT. Little JT, the engine that could though, I don't think he cares. So I am so excited to see the season finale and I'm more excited to see the reunion. We got our reunion looks today and I will say Craig, you know, looks the best. I, I fully have an impression on Craig. It's so disgusting. Anyways, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I don't usually talk about Southern Charm uh, mostly, but I thought this was a fun episode uh, and I hope you guys are having a great holiday season and uh, I'll talk to you very soon. Remember, I had another episode today out as well with like a pop culture roundup feel uh, and and that's it. Okay. Tell your family that I, bye you guys. Wait, I didn't get asked. How are you doing? Are you good? Are you hanging in there? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Batches.